Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Today's story comes from Naomi Wilcox-Lee, who shares how she prepared to bring joy and bliss to her birth, along with all the little ways her family and husband helped her to do that, and how she ended up birthing like a rock star without having to actually push. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Aeroflow Breast Pumps, a durable medical equipment provider specializing in helping moms receive maximum coverage and reimbursement for a breast pump through insurance. Let Aeroflow take the hassle out of getting the pump that's right for you. Learn more at aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash birthful. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guide meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive pregnant or new moms. Reduce your stress, reduce your complications, and improve your connection to your baby and partner. Learn more and sign up for a two-week free trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review because I truly appreciate it and it makes a big difference. Before we jump into today's wonderful story, a quick reminder that if you are pregnant, you should prepare for what to do with baby after the birth, not just the birth part. Taking a childbirth education class is a wonderful thing, but equally as important is that you take a postpartum preparation class. I would really hate for you to end up like a lot of new parents do, struggling with all the challenges of postpartum and thinking that you should have taken a class, but once baby arrived, it was too late. Every time a new parent tells me how that fourth trimester was so much harder than what they thought it was going to be and how they wish they could have done, they could have a do-over to take a postpartum class ahead of time, well, that really breaks my heart, you know? It shouldn't be this way. So please, please, please do yourself an enormous favor and check out my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation course at birthfulcourses.com. It's five weeks of relevant content that goes way beyond those infant care and CPR classes that you may be taking. This is about really connecting and understanding your baby to minimize fussiness and increase your confidence. It's also about understanding how your identity will change once you become a parent and how not to lose yourself in the process. This is, again, it's also about figuring out how to really work together as a team with your partner and not resent one another as you figure out life on little sleep and a boatload of new responsibilities. I promise this is more than worth it. Go to birthfulcourses.com to learn more and register. All right, you've been warned. <laughs> to continue with our birth stories for the summer series, I have here today with me Naomi Wilcox-Lee, who had a blissful home birth. Naomi, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, so happy. And you do have a beautiful story. Um, but before we get into that, can you tell the listeners a little bit about you? Sure. Um, I live in Birmingham in the UK with my husband, Alex, and my new daughter, Luna, who has just turned seven months old. Um, I work for an educational charity here, but in my free time, I run um, a couple of different blogs. I have a blog 
called Sheroes of History, which is all about brilliant women from history and celebrating their lives. And then a new blog, which I started uh, since I had Luna, called Making Luna, which is about um, our journey in conceiving her. And we have uh, IVF to conceive Luna, and also about her birth and and about everything since then, really, and everything I'm learning as I go along as a, a new parent. Yeah, and it's been quite the journey you've had. It really has, yeah. I was just looking through some old photos, actually, and just thinking about how long ago it was that we actually first started trying to conceive, um, and it just seems like another lifetime now. And, and it was a, a long and, at times, quite difficult journey to get to where we are now. Um, but now it feels like I can't remember what life was without Luna. She's here now, and she's just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a really important point to make, that sometimes when we're in the midst of a difficult situation, whatever that is, that it is hard to, you know, see the forest for the trees, right? That it just seems that you're so in it that things are not going to get any better or change. or And then mm -hmm. with some time and dedication, for sure, because things don't just happen, Um then to have that ability to look back and go like, oh, wait, different now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're here now. I always try, and to re try to remember that you'll be looking back on this one day. So whatever it is you're going through, one, you'll be looking back on it soon. Mm. And yeah, and I think that's a great mantra for, for a life for sure, but especially for new the new postpartum time because mm. that can be really tough and knowing that everything's going to change good or bad it's all going to change <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep that in mind great and it changes so quickly <laughs> so quickly so tell us a little bit about you know what what were your wishes for your pregnancy and birth like when you set out once you knew you were pregnant and you set out to figure out how you were going to have this baby what were your wishes well I guess I deliberately didn't think about birth or pregnancy really until it was it was upon us and I started to think about uh, what sort of birth I'd like to have about halfway through my pregnancy um, and up until that point I just assumed because it's what everyone does here in the UK I just assumed I'd go to hospital and so I knew which hospital we were registered with it was the same hospital where we'd had our fertility treatment and I just assumed that we would go there um, but I like to read and I like to find out information and as I started to read and discover more about birth and labor um, I, I just had this growing desire in me that at first I was a bit nervous to acknowledge really but I started to think that I'd want to have my baby at home I read a lot about how um, in the wild most mammals when they give birth go somewhere private and quiet and dark uh, where they won't be disturbed and how, you know, as humans, we need those same um, circumstances, really, for a birth to go straightforward and as it should. Um, obviously, it's something I'd never done before, uh, so I didn't know what it would actually be like, but I just felt in my heart that it was something I wanted to um, do in that sort of situation, privately, somewhere quiet, somewhere I felt safe, um, and with as few interruptions as possible. Um, and I knew that in the UK, we're really lucky. Home birth is an option which is offered to us on our NHS service. So um, I guess the, my first thing was to speak to my husband about it and kind of 
broke the news to him that this is what I was thinking. And we agreed that we would go away and find out some more information. We would speak to our community midwife and get some advice from her about it. Um, and so that was our first step. Um, and, and really, the more we found out about having a home birth, the more convinced we became that it was what we wanted to do and that it was the best choice for us. Mm-hmm. And I find, you know, that what you said that in the UK, you are really like home birth is just another option and you do have full choice to decide what you think is what works better for you because yeah that is I mean it's set up so within the system so that it works beautifully Mm -hmm. and the the little sort of pain points that can happen during a home birth um which is to say mainly the transfer from, if needed, from home to hospital needs to be a seamless process, that you have a system in place to make it seamless. And you have an assigned midwife that will come to your house um, for the birth and all that. So it, it, it is much different than what we have here in the U.S., where it is not a given and, and the system makes it a little bit more difficult if you want to have a home birth, for sure. Yeah, that sounds right. And I don't know how many people are aware that they do have this choice. I think only, I think maybe is it one or two percent of women in the UK actually do choose to stay at home. But if you make that choice, then you you don't just have one midwife come to your home. You have two midwife and two midwives come to your house. So one can care for you and one can care for your child once they're born, um, which is for me, it seems like much more uh, Uh, personal care than you get if you go to a lot of hospitals here Um, but I do feel very grateful that you know there's there's proper support for women who want to who want to stay at home and do it that way because I realize it's not like that in many other countries around the world. Mm -hmm. So once you decided you wrapped your head around this and said wow home birth that's what we want to do what did did you have to do anything differently to prepare for that? Well, I had to, I guess one of the first things I did was to think about what do we need? You know, if you're going to a hospital, you have to think about what you're going to pack in your hospital bag. Um, But for us, it was about what do we need to get into our house for doing this home birth? And and one of the first things we had to get, um, because I wanted to have a water birth if possible. And so we bought a birth pool. It's an inflatable birth pool that we just bought online and got delivered to our house. And that came with everything we needed to pump it up, to fill it and to empty it afterwards. So we had a, a practice run with that, just inflating it in our living room and checking that it fitted. Um, and the midwife came round to our home to make sure that you know there was enough space around the pool for um, her to get around and to check me probably if she needed to. Um, and I kind of I joined a couple of Facebook groups um, about home birth and just asked a few questions about what sort of things people needed when they were preparing for a home birth. And actually, it wasn't as, as many things as I thought it, thought it might have been. Um, we bought a couple of old. A couple of cheap shower curtains, which we used to kind of waterproof uh, the area. We put one on the sofa and things like that. I bought a whole load of towels because I knew that we'd need as as many towels as possible. Um, I did some research and reading and I bought a birth ball, which I used towards the end of my pregnancy and during my labour. I also I bought some essential oils, so some clary sage oil and some lavender, um, which I read about and um, to be used during labour as well. 
Um, and there weren't too many things, but what we did is we found out everything we needed. We put it all in a big washing basket and just had it ready so that whenever uh, the day came, we could just grab that. And then also the midwife brought round a box of her equipment and the things that um, she would be using. So we just had these two boxes in, in the corner of the room so that whenever the time came, we could just grab them and we were ready to go. Mm. And I find that, um, you know, people don't realize how much midwives do bring with them just in case, right? They Because it's not like they show up just with their hands and a few gloves, no. right? <laughs> no. And actually, I think at, at the end, uh, when another midwife came round after Luna had been born, and she bought a few additional things, so we didn't actually have to go to the hospital for anything. She bought the weighing scales and uh, a few other bits and bobs so that all of the postnatal checks could just be done in our home as well. Um, yeah, so the midwife bought everything that was needed, really. Mm-hmm. And they do bring, you know, they do have... Well, in, in your case, some nitrous oxide gas, and um, mm-hmm. and also they do have you know pitocin if needed for afterbirth, and and they yeah they do I, I I like to I like to stress that that they do come with a bunch of equipment so that it's not yeah they're, yeah. they're very well prepared and they yeah. know they know what they need to bring with them and I guess the other thing to mention was of course you mentioned about transfer so. They always, um, they'll make sure they know the time it would take to transfer you to hospital if need be. And when they get to a person's house, um, when when labour's in, in, you know, in full flow, they'll inform the ambulance service. So if you do need to transfer for any reason, you'd be there as a priority patient and you'd get there very, very quickly. So I always knew that although, you know, it was our desire to stay at home, I felt very confident that if anything was to go wrong, it, we would be in the best hands and they would spot it early and move us if we needed to be moved. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. No, it's, it, it can work beautifully as a system if everything's in place um, and, and, and accounted for. And and usually, like, I've, I, I know that about 50% of the transfers don't happen because of an emergency. And I think that's also important mm-hmm. to say. It's more like things aren't progressing or moms say, you know what, I really I want an epidural or something, you know, it's not necessarily that all transfers are emergencies at all. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So, all right, let's fast forward to the big day. How mm. did you know that you were in labor? What? How did that come about? Well, I would say that I didn't know to begin with. Um for a few hours, I really wasn't sure if I was in labour or if I just had an upset tummy. So I'd I'd had quite a sleepless night and I, I I woke up feeling like I hadn't slept very well. But I guess that's quite usual for late pregnancy anyway. And just before my husband left for work, um, I went to the toilet and I noticed that I had a, a the first sign of a bit of a show, um, which for me was the first real sign that something might be coming soon. But I knew that that didn't necessarily mean it was going to be that day. You know, I'd spoken to friends who'd had a show and it was another week before labour actually started. So I wasn't sure whether things were starting to happen or not. And then I started to have a bit of an upset tummy. And again, I just thought, oh, I've got tummy ache. Maybe I've eaten something that's not so good. Um, So I decided to just take it easy. You know, I was on maternity leave and... I was getting very close to my due date. It was three days before my due date. Um, And I decided, I made myself some breakfast, and then I thought it would be really nice to have a nice 
warm bath. Um, part of my plan for you know managing my labor was to have a bath if, if I knew it was happening. I, I didn't realize that's what was going on, but I ran myself a bath at a really relaxing time. Um, and as I think I mentioned to you before, I actually, actually listened to one of your podcasts while I was in the bath, which was brilliant. Got me right in the in the best headspace. Mm, which be one was it? It was, I think it was uh, Giving Birth Like a Rockstar, I think it was titled or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really empowering to listen to that. And I noticed as I was in the bath that um, I, I was continuing to get these, um, these cramps in my tummy. Um, so when I got out of the bath, I realized they were actually becoming a little bit more regular. And I thought, okay, perhaps something is starting to happen here. Um, I'd never had any Braxton Hicks contractions or anything like that. So I still wasn't sure. I was thinking maybe that's what it might be. Um, I don't know why. I was, I was very... I was very reticent to admit that this could actually be labor, um, although things were definitely starting to happen by then. Um, so after I got out the bath, I, I phoned my husband. I said, oh, I'm still, you know, I'm still getting these pains. Um, just be, you know, just be ready in case you need to come home from work. I think I'm okay at the moment, but I'll keep you posted. And I also sent my midwife a text message, um, again, just to let her know what was going on so that she could be ready as well. Um, and it was quite fortunate, actually. She'd been away for two weeks on holiday, and she'd only returned to work the day before when I'd seen her at our local GP surgery. Um, so she'd done all her checks the day before, and I, I was convinced I wasn't going to see her again for a week, but I was glad that she was home from her holiday. So I sent her a text message, and then I decided that I would. Um, I got my birth ball. I managed to kind of roll it all the way upstairs to our bedroom. I put on the hypnobirthing tracks that I've been listening to throughout the later stages of my pregnancy. I've been listening to them every night as I went to sleep. And so I put those on and I just kind of rocked over because I was on my knees rocking over my birth ball, listening to my hypnobirthing affirmations. And I could tell by now that things were starting to get a bit more regular with the, the kind of cramps in my tummy. I actually downloaded um, a contractions app so that I could time things. Um, and again, that was another thing that took me by surprise a little bit. You know, in your antenatal classes, you're told about timing your contractions. And I had got the idea that it was all going to be very regular and like clockwork. And of course, in real life, it's rarely like that. So there was um, varied gaps between the, the contractions that were coming now. Uh, but they were definitely starting to get stronger. So I called my husband and I said, you know, I'm still not still not 100% sure that this is labor, but something's definitely happening. So I think I'd like you to come home because I was struggling by that point to kind of do things myself. Um, so it wasn't long then that he came home from work and we'd actually hired a TENS machine, um, which I'd read about um, before as well. So as soon as he got home, one of the first things he did was to help me uh, put the TENS machine on. And that just involved putting a couple of... Um, sticky pads on my back and then I had uh, the controls and a little thing around my neck so every time the contractions came then I could I could change it into a kind of continuous pulse um, during the contraction and then stop it again in between and uh, so so yeah that he helped me then kind of pick up all my stuff and move downstairs into our living room which is where we decided we were going to um, hopefully uh, give birth um, he inflated the birth pool and he put on some music for me which we discussed before um, 
he stuck up the affirmations which we'd wrote, written together and he lit all the candles. So he was really amazing and just kind of getting on and doing everything which we discussed. He knew exactly what he needed to do. Um, and I didn't have to think about doing any of that. I just carried on kind of rocking over my birth ball. Um, and as the, as the contractions came, I was just groaning through them. Um, I managed to phone my sister. Uh, I've actually got, I'm from quite a large family. There's five of us, but one of my younger sisters I phoned and had a little chat with her. And she said, oh, it sounds like you're doing really, really well. Um, and then after that, we decided that I would give the midwife a call. Um, and she said, oh, would you like me to come round? Um, I said, well, yeah, come round and see. I had no idea really how far along I would be. Um, and I think at that point, we were just thinking that the midwife might come round, check me out, and then, you know, go away and come back later. So she arrived. It was by that time, it was about 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, so it had been a couple of hours, really, from about... 12 to 3 I you know really started to think things were happening um, when uh, just for so when you first got in the like you were in the bath um yeah. do you remember when that was roughly I I think that was mid morning maybe like 10 half 10 um I I was, I was taking things quite easy you know I had a bit of a lay in uh, stayed in bed and watched some TV in the morning um and just uh yeah, I was just taking it really mm -hmm. relaxed, to be honest, because I was off work and I knew that staying relaxed and stay staying chilled out was the best thing for me. And I just, you know, over the past, over the days leading up to then, I've been trying to do as many things that would make me feel happy and uh, boost my oxytocin levels. So I've been going for nice walks in the park. It was beautiful autumn time, really lovely um, autumn leaves and everything. I've been watching comedy shows that made me laugh. And, you know, as I said, I've been having baths to just try and keep my body and my mind in a really happy and relaxed place. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that yeah, sounds, sorry, that sounds like some really lovely self-pampering for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, I kind of, I just wrote a list of things I could do during that stage to as I said, keep my body and my mind in a in a really nice place um, and to try and just naturally boost my oxytocin levels so that hopefully uh, labour would start on its own, which, as you know, it did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... We, sorry, Naomi, before you go on, I am going to interrupt you because we need to take a break. That's but fine. Yeah, we'll be right back. Raise your hand if you're tired. If you're pregnant or running after little ones, truth is you're probably exhausted. Getting enough sleep during this time of life is practically impossible, so it's crucial to make the most of the precious sleep you are able to get. Reverie Power Beds helps you do just that by creating a super comfortable space for you to cocoon into. Reverie Power Beds can help with back pain, general discomfort, swollen feet, all of which are quite common during pregnancy. Then, during postpartum, a Reverie Power Bed can continue to help you with these things as well as allow you to nurse in a comfortable sitting up position and make the recovery from cesarean birth a lot easier if that is your case. Then, as your baby grows, your Reverie Power Bed can really shine during story time and pretty much at any and all snuggle times. And if you have more than one child, you can nurse one in comfort while reading and snuggling with the others. This is truly a bed that adapts as your needs change. Plus, it comes with a 20-year warranty. Learn more and get your own at momsneedsleep.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. 
And we're back and we're talking to Naomi about her birth. And so you were, I can see it. You're As you're describing it, I can see it. You've got, you know, your husband is setting up this beautiful environment with lights and candles and affirmations and filling the bowl, the, the pool and you and brought the birth ball downstairs. And so you are doing your thing and going deeper and deeper and, and getting really into labor. Yeah, that's right. And um, so I think at some point I decided, I, I remember being told that you ought to empty your bladder as often as you could during labor. And so I thought, oh, you know, we only have a bathroom upstairs in our house. But, and I just thought I need to get up to the bathroom and empty my bladder because I don't know how many more chances I will I will be able to do that. And so I don't really remember it very clearly, but I'm, I somehow made it upstairs to the bathroom and back down again and then I didn't actually make it all the way back to my birth ball because I think halfway through crossing the room I, I must have had another quite strong contraction and I ended up just leaning over the sofa and um, and I ended up there for the rest of the labor really until I got in the pool right at the end and it was at that point that I asked Alex to bring me uh, I just asked him to get me a tissue with some of the clary sage oil and lavender oil on it because um, I wanted to be able to smell those oils and just sniff them um, as I was breathing. Um, and almost as soon as I started smelling them, um, my my waters broke. Um, and that was about, literally as that happened, the doorbell rang and it was the midwife arriving. Um, so as I said earlier, I think that was about 3.30. I mean, I only know these times really because pe- people have told me them since. At the mm-hmm. time when it was mm-hmm. going on, I had absolutely no idea what time it was whatsoever. Um, but I remember that my waters broke and the midwife arrived at almost exactly the same time. So when she arrived, um, she wanted to examine me. And one of the things I'd written in my birth plan was that I only I, I wanted to have as few examinations as possible. Um, I was happy to be examined once so that I got an idea of how far along things were. But um, as long as everything was okay, I wanted that to be it. So she examined me at that point, just laid on the sofa. And to my surprise, um, I was quite nervous about what she was going to say because, you know, I didn't want to hear that nothing was happening. Um, But actually, she said that I was already six centimetres dilated. um, So that was really, really encouraging. It gave me a really big boost to know that everything was happening as it should be. Mm -hmm. um, And that actually I was much further along than I thought I was. Which is lovely, like that, because yeah. it can go both ways, right? That it, you're, yeah. you're saying that you were nervous makes total sense because it can be sort of like, what does this mean? But it, at the end, it actually doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. Right. And in your case, though, it just certainly gave you confirmation of like, oh, things are happening. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And that's it. I know. Um, I know other other women who've you know had similar experiences and then been told you've only one, you're only one centimeter, and that's actually that's been quite hard and demotivating and I was very lucky that for me to hear that I was already six centimeters as I said it just kind of gave me a lot of encouragement that everything was happening as it should Um, and actually we were much further along quite quickly than I thought I was. (laughs) Which is a lovely feeling I'm sure. Yeah definitely. (laughs) Uh, So then what happened? So after that um, really I just uh, 
carried on how I was. The midwife offered me the gas and air, which we have available to us here in the UK. And actually, they, you know, they bring a couple of canisters with them in the car of this of the gas and air which we use. Um, and she brought that in and she showed me how to use it. Um, and I was coping okay at that point. That you know, the contractions were definitely getting much stronger. I was still using the tens machine. Um, but I wanted to have the gas and air as an option available to me as well. And so I think around that time, uh, after she showed me how to use it, um, I started using that as every contraction came. And, and the way you use it is just to suck on the um, gas and air during the contraction. And then as, it, as the contraction re reaches its peak, you stop breathing it. Um, and it just kind of helps you through then. Uh, and you, you don't breathe it in between contractions. But uh, that was really great, and um, I, I used that then throughout the rest of the time. So as I was just leaning over the sofa again at this time, um, you know, things were going on around me, but I was not really very aware of what was happening around me. I know that my husband Alex was continuing to try and fill the pool um, and trying to get, get that at the right temperature. Um, the midwife just went and sat in our kitchen and started to fill out some of her paperwork. And then every now and then she'd just come back in. Um, she'd listen to my bump to make sure that the baby's heartbeat was okay. And then, as you know, everything was fine. She'd just leave me to it again and just gave me some gentle encouragement to keep listening to my body and keep doing what I was doing. And I think it was it was around this time that I just... I just started to feel really amazing, to be honest. Um, in between those contractions, I felt completely blissful and just so, so happy. Um, and you think, I can only think now that it's the, the hormones which your body produces naturally just gave me the biggest natural high. I was so happy. And um, one thing which I'd, I'd done was um, I'd asked my sisters and my mum to write messages for me and um, to be read to me during labour because they all live quite far away from me but I wanted to kind of feel like they were were with me in spirit if you like so Alex read some of those to me during this time and I just I became so emotional but you know with happy tears I was so full of joy um, and I just kept thinking of this really long journey that we've been on to um, try and conceive a child and and how I remembered, you know, I remember to the day that the last time I took the contraceptive pill I was on and really feeling excited and hopeful that we were going to have a baby. And then such um, a roller coaster ride from that point on of, of, you know, trying and failing again and again. And then, you know, finding out eventually that we would probably need to have some assistance to conceive and, and all of that emotion that came with that of not knowing really whether we would ever be able to have a child or not we had to accept that as a you know a possible reality for us so then and then here I was my baby was you know trying to come out of me now and we were just about to meet her and I just it all kind of came flooding to me in one go and I just felt so so emotional and so happy that I was about to meet my baby and, and honestly, honestly, I just felt so full of joy and so happy. And I asked Alex to take a photo of me so that I could show other people that it's possible to be happy and smiling during labor. <laughs> Which is lovely. I love yeah. that. It is. It is possible. Absolutely. I think I was lucky because a lot of the preparation I'd done um, was really trying to find other positive birth stories. I wanted my mind to be full of uh 
you know, positive stories from other women about labour because I feel like a lot of what we see in mainstream media and culture is just, you know, a very dramatised version of what labour is, um, you know, that it's going to be really painful. And, you know, we hear so many comments. Uh, when I was a pregnant woman, you know, so many comments from other women and men about how painful it's going to be. And I just try to really keep those thoughts at bay and try and, you know, expect it to be something wonderful, not something horrible, which um, luckily for me, it did turn out to be. Um, and, and definitely, you know, it's really strange now because I remember at the time saying that it hurt, it definitely did, but I can't remember that pain now. All I can remember now is, you know, the elation that I felt during that time. Mm. And I think it's really important to point out, like we want to, we want to control so many things in our lives. And mm. we think there's this illusion of control. There's this illusion that we can get everything right in place and all the things. And and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But truthfully, mm. the only thing we can actually control, and, and sometimes it's not easy, but the only thing we can actually control is how we feel about things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree so, completely. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you were set out to do everything from preparation and, and, and you know, had a list of things that you could do ahead of time to make your days more joyful and just feel more loved and, and be happier and, and laugh more with comedy shows and just get mm -hmm. into that, practice that vibe of this is what I want to feel and foster more of that. I think that definitely is, is so beneficial um, and, and wonderful thing that you did. Oh, definitely, yeah. And and we also, we spent a lot of time together just thinking about our birth plan and, and we wrote um, we wrote a menu of things so that, you know, if, if I wanted to, I could just point at something and Alex would do it. And these were all things that would hopefully help me to relax during labour. Um, oh, I love yeah, that I idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And I think spending that time uh, with Alex, who was obviously going to be my birth partner, spending that time thinking about it, talking about it, you know, we drew lots of big uh, spider diagrams with words of how we wanted it to be. And we wrote our own affirmations together, um, as well as thinking about my own privately as well. Um, that just meant that when it was actually happening, we, we really intuitively knew between us what each of us needed to do, you know, um, which was really, really important for me as well. I felt completely supported and I didn't have to worry about anything else. All I had to do was just concentrate on what was happening with me. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds lovely. Um, that was great, we're, yeah. we're gonna have to take another break, but great, when okay. we come back, we will get to the you know to this birth. <laughs> and we, you've sure. got us on tender hooks here. You're like so close. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll be right back. Getting a breast pump? Let Aeroflow make the process super easy for you. First, they will verify your eligibility for a breast pump through your insurance plan. Then, they'll recommend the best breast pump for your lifestyle and breastfeeding goals, and they'll even contact your physician for the prescription. If there are any supplies and accessories that will benefit your pumping experience, they'll recommend those too, and at the same time, they will determine if those supplies and accessories are also covered under your plan. Then, they will bill your insurance provider for your pump and ship it to your door free of charge. How awesome is that? Aeroflow offers a wide selection of pumps from top manufacturers like Hagia, Evenflow, Spectra, Amida, and more, so you can get exactly what you need. 
And if you don't have insurance, or in the case that your breast pump is not covered 100% by insurance, Aeroflow can get you a breast pump at a lower price than big box retailers. Get all the details at aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who got you there. And we are back talking to Naomi about her birth. So... You got confirmation that you were way further ahead than you thought you were when the midwife checked you. Um, you had been by the by the sofa, just leaning over there and, and sort of going into labor there. What what happened next? Well, I think I, I must have stayed there for a little while longer. I was using the Gaffinair and the TENS machine. Um, I had another um, kind of some more waters came out of me at some point I remember that um and I and I was really going into myself at this point really I I just felt like in my mind I was like a lion just roaring through uh, the contractions when they came and then as I said just feeling really really chilled out and happy in between um and after a while um I was told that the birth pool was finally ready, the water was the right temperature and it was the right depth for me to get in. And it was just around that time I was really starting to feel my babies like moving down quite a lot. And um, I remember actually I was, I felt suddenly very sick and the the midwife had to bring a bowl for me and I, I just was a little bit sick. And I heard her saying, oh, that's a really good sign. So um, I think possibly that's when I was starting to transition um, and the baby was starting to move down. The sensations were starting to change slightly. Um, so I finally was able to get into the birth pool and the water was just absolutely wonderful. It felt just felt perfect climbing into there and my body just completely relaxed really quickly. Um, obviously, I had to take the TENS machine off because it's electric, so you can't take that in the pool. But I was able to lean over the side of the birth pool and continue to have some of the gas in there. Um, and honestly, I wasn't in there for very long before I felt the the biggest movement down um, and my baby's head came out, <laughs> uh, to, put the, to put a long story short. And I would say at this point, I did not push like... I didn't have to clench my teeth and, you know, put my hands into fists and push physically myself. I felt my uterus pushing and I felt my baby moving downwards, but it was entirely my body doing it. I didn't physically and mentally have to push it. She just came out. And I think, you know, her head came out and then it was maybe a, a small pause and then another really, really big surge and then she was all out. Um, and I had a midwife saying, you can turn around now and beat your baby. And, um, oh, I feel a little bit emotional talking about it now, to be honest. So I, I'd been leaning over the side of the pool. I turned around and sat down in the water and Luna, our daughter, was handed to me. Um, and she was just perfect, you know. Uh, she was so peaceful and so calm when she came out. She let out a few little cries um, as I held her, and you know they we we stayed in the pool for a short while, and we just splashed warm water over her um, to keep her warm for a little while, um, and it was just just absolutely fantastic to finally meet her and finally hold her in my arms. Of course, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and you know, I it, it is an emotional thing. It's the birth of your child. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, and I really appreciate um, you mentioning the thing about not pushing. And I think I want to talk a little bit more about that because. Mm-hmm. We have this cultural notion and, and a lot of big representations of the importance of pushing and are we there yet? And is it time to push? And will I know how to push? And, you know, all these, all this stuff that we put on the pushing stage and like can't wait to get to fully dilated because then I can push. And it becomes this enormous milestone when in fact the milestone is having the baby. So. Yeah. I, I think realizing that this, it's like the biggest kept secret, right? That you actually, you, actively thinking brain, don't have to push. Yeah. But actually letting your body and the uterus, which is like the strongest muscle in your body aside from your tongue. Uh-huh. That's it. And I think, um, I think I was lucky to have read that many times in a few different things that I'd read before and heard people talking about it. So I felt really confident that my biology, you know, would do this. My, as you say, the muscles in my uterus are designed to do that, just like other muscles in my body are designed to do a similar thing, you know. Um, and I didn't know what it would be like when it actually came to it. I was open-minded to um, it turning out however it would turn out. But all I can say, you know, to other women is that my experience is that I didn't feel the urge to push. I just felt my body pushing without me needing to think about it really mm. and but i feel that if you do allow your body to do that mm. and and just go along for the ride sort of like what you yeah. did right that then it tends to be a much more pleasant and less exhausting experience um, sure. And you're not adding extra forces to the process, an external mm. force of your own, like, you know, holding your breath and push it. You're not adding that extra force to baby's head and to because what's happening is, is you know, our, our pelvises and just a little biology, right, are at the top, they're wider side to side, but at the bottom, they're wider front to back. So as baby moves through the pelvis, baby's head has to first go in looking sideways because that's the you know the longer way so that it fits better and then along the way baby's head rotates to then be looking front to back in order to come out so there's it's like a corkscrew movement that needs to happen and moms usually who are just not adding any extra forces to that feel that drastic movement feel like oh suddenly there was something big like you know as the head rotates and then extends mm-hmm. and does things. So, um, and then usually baby, the head is right there. Like it's not short, shortly after that, once the baby's aligned that way, you know, if everything's flowing smoothly, it's, the baby comes out rather quickly. Mm-hmm. So I find it is important for us to understand that biology that you don't want to add so much force so that mm-hmm. baby's head can accommodate and navigate the curves of your pelvis um, in order to come out in in an easier way, right? And less stress to the head. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. No, I love it. I think that's, I'm on a mission lately of like, do you know this about not pushing? (laughs) Yeah. And I think I I wish that 
more girls and women as we're growing up, I wish we were told how powerful our uteruses are and we're given that information, um, but we're not. And, you know, I, I feel like unless you go out and find that information, you're not routinely told it. And I, I think that if more women learn how powerful our bodies are, then perhaps birth would be easier for a lot more people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some weird misconceptions about it because what we see mm. is a lot of the media. Um, yeah, and there's, definitely. like you said at the beginning, not that many things to balance it out unless you seek them out. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your baby. Now, You, I really love, from, from reading what you sent me, I love um, also the story of the birth of your placenta. So <laughs> yeah. would you mind telling us a bit about that as well? No, I don't mind at all. You know, that's that's... I think that the afterbirth is something which, you know, we often hear stories about up to the point where the baby's born and then it stops. And then suddenly when you're pregnant, you realize there's this whole other thing that comes afterwards. Um, and, you know, I had I had spoken to, I heard from someone else who had a home birth and everything went smoothly and then the placenta didn't deliver. So only after all of the, you know, a really nice birth did she have to go to hospital. And so I was a little bit anxious about this stage of, birth and um, immediately after Luna was born um, as I said we stayed in the pool for a few minutes and then um, I was able to get out of the pool and I just went and lay down on the sofa and we had skin to skin time almost immediately she crawled up to my breast and started suckling which was just fantastic um, and her you know her reflexes were, were so so strong she just started doing that straight away um, and as I said I was in a bit of a you know I just have no idea what what time had passed, what time it was. Um, and after a while, the midwife started to say to me, oh, you know, we need to start thinking about uh, the placenta coming out now. Um, I'd written down in my birth plan that I didn't want to have the injection unless it was really necessary. Um, I, I wanted to allow my body the opportunity to do it itself. And I, it was my hope that if we'd got that far um, with my body just going through the natural processes, then, then there was no reason why I should need anything at this point either. And so the midwives actually, I was laid on my back with Luna on my chest and they'd started to tell me, you know, well, you need to start pushing, you need to, you know, I know you haven't really been pushing during your labor, but, you know, sometimes getting the placenta out is a bit different and we need you to start pushing now. And it felt really um, counterintuitive after everything I'd gone through with my baby coming out and not needing to push that suddenly they were telling me that I did need to push the placenta out and I really felt in my mind that all I needed to do was to get upright and let gravity do do the trick um, and I said this to them and I said oh no 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 um, just stay where you are you know you're fine laying down just give it a good push we'll get the placenta out and I think after about an hour had passed an hour of just you know having some skin to skin with Luna and and trying to push as they were telling me to do and nothing happening with the placenta coming out um, the midwife the midwife did check I think to see and she said oh it feels like maybe you've got quite a full bladder um, perhaps you, you know if you go to the toilet it might come out then maybe your bladder's stopping it from coming out um, and I just thought to myself well you know maybe I'll try to go to the toilet but this is a good way actually to get upright and I think this will do the trick so I handed Luna to her dad and they were able to have some skin to skin time then as well, which I, I, we'd wanted to happen. Um, 
they actually brought in a washing up bowl so I didn't have to make it all the way upstairs to the bathroom again and you know as, almost as soon as I stood up and stood over this bowl um, I just really had to very very gently push and the placenta came out without any difficulty at all um, and it kind of just felt uh, I felt vindicated that actually I, I should have trusted my instincts and they had been right all along that um, I just needed to stand up and, and it would come out. It was, you know, gravity did the trick and out it came and everything was fine then. And I was really happy that I didn't have to have any injection or anything to help it out either. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Let's just, just stand up and, and let yeah. gravity do it. I know. What interests me though is that I, I, I hear from so, so many other women that, you know, the midwife says one thing and they feel something different in their minds. And nine times out of 10, the woman is right because we know our own bodies and if we just listen to them we're, we're right about it and and often we're told something else and we know you know we should mm. listen to our medical professionals but sometimes they're not right and we are if we listen to our bodies um, I think is it's something I've learned from my own experience and from listening to quite a few other women who've, who've given birth as well. Hmm. And remembering that this is a physiological process, not necessarily that you, you know, nothing's inherently wrong. Um, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that, that it's a physiological process that's happening in your body. And, and it makes sense that you are very attuned to it. Yeah, definitely. Cool. You know, and all, all the way through my labor, I felt like, you know, I was just listening to my own body and trying to trust my own instincts. Um, and yeah, at the very end, then with the placenta, I knew what I needed to do and it was just getting the opportunity to do it and everything went fine. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, Naomi, was there anything that, you know, was different that, than what you expected or that was more challenging or more rewarding? I know you've mentioned these things, but I want to uh, make sure there isn't anything we left out. I think the only thing I would have liked to have been maybe slightly different is that I would have loved to spend more time in the birth pool because it felt wonderful once I finally got in there. It just took quite a long time to fill and I ended up having quite a fast labour. You know, it was only a few hours really from when we started to fill the pool to Luna coming out. Yeah, right. What um, time was she born? Yeah, she was born at 5.30. Okay. And, uh, well, 5.38, I think, to be precise. But when I asked what time it was, after we settled down after she was born I, I I thought in my head it must be something like 8 30 9 o'clock in the evening and when they told me it was 5 30 I just couldn't believe that it was such a short time really from when the midwife examined me at about 3 30 in the afternoon it was only a couple of hours later and she was out and in our arms um, so you know I would have loved to have spent more time in that birth pool um, but you know I, I I don't have any regrets, really. Uh, the time I did spend in there, it obviously did what I wanted it to do, which was really help my body relax and help my baby out. She was born in the water, and she loves water ever since then. She loves her baths, and she loves going swimming. I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but she really enjoys water. Mm. And, yeah. Yay. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's anything else I would have changed, really. Um, Lovely. Great. <laughs> yeah. It it is a beautiful story and I am so happy that you came on the show to share it today because I I do think we need to hear more stories like this because it is possible. It won't be po you know, it, it's not what happens to everybody and circumstances are different and and mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of things that go into birth, right? But yeah. but it is possible when everything's flowing for it to be, you know, this beautiful. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing, you know, I always heard from other people, you know, you'll write a birth plan, but the only thing you can really be sure of is that it won't go to plan. And then actually for us, after the day had ended and we were left just the three of us in our house, ready to go to bed, uh, we got out our birth plan and we looked through it and almost every single thing on there that we planned for did happen as we wanted it to. And I know that's not what happens for everyone. I feel I feel so blessed that that's how things went for us. But I also feel that, you know, we put the time in and the preparation in to help give us the best chance of that going to plan. And, um, and in the end, it did. It was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, in the show notes, I will link to your blog because you have, a, you know, the blog, I'll, I'll link to both of your blogs, but um, right. the blog where you have more information about your story and how you prepared for home birth yeah. and why you decided to do a home birth. Um, and also all these beautiful tools that I'll list the tools that you had because you had, you did hypno, aside from, you know, preparing your mind, you did hypnobirthing, you had the TENS machine, you had your birth ball. You had um, the tub. You had mm-hmm. the the menu is a great idea. <laughs> the messages from your family, I think, is also brilliant of having those read f- so that they were there with you mm-hmm. sort of at a distance and with these great messages, encouraging messages for you. Um, did I forget anything? I don't think so. Okay. I think you've covered most of it, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So I'll link to all of that. Um, and then also to link to your blog. So if people want to know more, they can check it out there. Thank you. That would be great. Yeah. Thanks so much again for being here today. It's been lovely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you for the blog and sorry, the podcast you record. I've listened to lots of episodes during my pregnancy and since then as well. And it, it's always really, really useful to listen to. So glad, so glad it helped <laughs> that we were it. part yeah. of your journey. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely. Mighty ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. And if you're pregnant, don't forget to check out my Thrive with Your Newborn Postpartum Preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Reverie Power Beds and Aeroflow Breast Pumps. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another Mighty Mama about her birth story or stories here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.